chapter 4, verses 25 through 38 of Catina Aria, Commentary on the Four Gospels Collected Out of the Works of the Fathers, Gospel of St. John, by St. Thomas Aquinas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Verses 25 and 26. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Chrysostom. The woman was struck with astonishment at the loftiness of his teaching, as her words show. The woman saith unto him, I know that that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. Augustine. Unctus in Latin, Christ in Greek, in Hebrew, Messiah. She knew then who could teach her, but did not know who was teaching her. When he is come, he will tell us all things. As if she said, The Jews now contend for the temple, we for the mountain. But he, when he comes, will level the mountain, overthrow the temple, and teach us how to pray in spirit and in truth. Chrysostom But what reason had the Samaritans for expecting Christ's coming? They acknowledged the books of Moses, which foretold it. Jacob prophesies of Christ, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from beneath his feet, until Shiloh comes. And Moses said, The Lord thy God shall raise up a prophet from the midst of thee of thy brethren. Origin. It should be known that as Christ rose out of the Jews, not only declaring but proving himself to be Christ, so among the Samaritans there arose one Deosius by name, who asserted that he was the Christ prophesied of. Augustine, it is a confirmation of discerning minds that the five senses were what were signified by the five husbands, to find the woman making five carnal answers and then mentioning the name of Christ. Chrysostom, Christ now reveals himself to the woman. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Had he told the woman this to begin with, it would have appeared vanity. Now having gradually awakened her to the thought of Christ, his disclosure of himself is perfectly opportune. He is not equally open to the Jews who ask him, If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. For this reason, that they did not ask in order to learn, but to do him injury, whereas she spoke in the simplicity of her heart. Verse 27 through 30. And upon this came his disciples, and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or, Why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city, and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things I ever did. Is this not the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Chrysostom. The disciples arrive opportunely, when the teaching is finished. And upon this came his disciples, and marveled that he talked with the woman. They marveled at the exceeding kindness and humility of Christ in condescending to converse with a poor woman and a Samaritan. Augustine, he who came to seek that which was lost, sought the lost one. This was what they marveled at. They marveled at his goodness. They did not suspect evil. Chrysostom, but notwithstanding their wonder, they asked him no questions. No man said, What seekest thou? Or, Why talkest thou with her? So careful were they to observe the rank of disciples. So great was their awe and veneration for him. On subjects indeed which concerned themselves, 
they did not hesitate to ask him questions but this was not one origin the woman is almost turned into an apostle so forcible are his words that she leaves her water-pot to go to the city and tell her townsmen of them the woman then left her water-pots i e give up low bodily cares for the sake of benefiting others let us do the same let us leave off caring for things of the body and impart to others of our own augustine hadria answers to our word aquarium hydor being greek for water chrysostom as the apostles on being called left their nets so does she leave her water-pot to do the work of an evangelist by calling not one person but a whole city she went her way into the city and saith to the men come see a man which told me all things that i ever did is not this the christ origin she calls them together to see a man whose words were deeper than man's she had had five husbands and then was living with the sixth not a lawful husband but now she gives him up for a seventh and she leaving her water-pot is converted to chastity chrysostom she was not prevented by shamefacedness from spreading about what had been said to her for the soul when it is once enkindled by the divine flame regards neither glory nor shame nor any other earthly thing only the flame which consumes it but she did not wish them to trust to her own report only but to come and judge of christ for themselves come see a man she says she did not say come and believe but come and see which is an easier matter for well she knew that if they only tasted of that well they would feel as she did alcune it is only by degrees however that she comes to the preaching of christ for she calls him a man not christ for fear those who heard her might be angry and refuse to come chrysostom she then neither openly preaches christ nor wholly omits him but says is not this the christ this wakened their attention then they went out of the city and came unto him augustine the circumstance of the woman's leaving her water-pot on going away must not be overlooked for the water-pot signifies the love of this world i e concupiscence by which men from the dark depth of which the well is the image i e an earthly conversation draw up pleasure it was right then for one who believed in christ to renounce the world by leaving her water-pot to show that she had parted with earthly desires augustine she cast away therefore concupiscence and hastened to proclaim the truth let those who wish to preach the gospel learn that they should first leave their water-pots at the well origin the woman having become a vessel of wholesome discipline lays aside as contemptible her former tastes and desires verses thirty one through thirty four in the meanwhile his disciples prayed him saying master eat but he said unto them i have meat to eat that ye know not of therefore said the disciples one to another hath any man brought him aught to eat jesus saith unto them my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work augustine his disciples had gone to buy food and had returned they offered christ some in the meanwhile his disciples prayed him saying master eat chrysostom they all ask him at once 
him so fatigued with the journey and heat. This is not impatience in them, but simply love and tenderness to their master. Origin. They think the present time convenient for dining, it being after the departure of the woman to the city, and before the coming of the Samaritans, so that they sit at meat by themselves. This explains in the meanwhile. Theophylact. Our Lord, knowing that the woman of Samaria was bringing the whole town out to him, tells his disciples, I have meat that ye know not of, Chrysostom. The salvation of men he calls his food, showing his great desire that we should be saved. As food is an object of desire to us, so was the salvation of men to him. Observe he does not express himself directly, but figuratively, which makes some trouble necessary for his hearers. In order to comprehend his meaning, and thus gives a greater importance to that meaning, when it is understood, Theophylact, that ye know not of, i.e., know not that I call the salvation of men food, or know not that the Samaritans are about to believe and be saved. The disciples, however, were in perplexity. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Augustine, what wonder that the woman did not understand about the water? though the disciples do not understand about the meat. Chrysostom. They show, as usual, the honor and reverence in which they hold their master, by talking among themselves and not presuming to question him. Theophylact. From the question of the disciples, hath any man brought him aught to eat? We may infer that our Lord was accustomed to receive food from others when it was offered him. Not that he who giveth food to all flesh needed any assistance, but he received it, that they who gave it might obtain their reward, and that poverty thenceforth might not blush, nor the support of others be esteemed a disgrace. It is proper and necessary that teachers should depend on others to provide them with food, in order that, being free from all other cares, they might attend the more to the ministry of the word. Augustine, our Lord heard his doubting disciples and answered them as disciples, i.e. plainly and expressly, not circuitously. As he answered the woman, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Origin. Fit meat for the Son of God, who was so obedient to the Father, that in him was the same will that was in the Father. Not two wills, but one will in both. The Son is capable of first accomplishing the whole will of the Father. Other saints do nothing against the Father's will. He does that will. That is his meat in an especial sense. And what means to finish his work? It would seem easy to say that a work was what was ordered by him who said it, as where men are said to build or dig. But some who go deeper ask whether a work being finished does not imply that it was before incomplete, and whether God could originally have made an incomplete work. The completing of the work is the completing of a rational creature, for it was to complete this work, which was as yet imperfect, that the word made flesh come, Theophylact. He finished the work of God, i.e. man. He, the Son of God, finished it by exhibiting our nature in himself without sin, perfect and uncorrupt. He finished also the work of God, i.e. the law. For Christ is the end of the law, by abolishing it, when everything in it had been fulfilled, and changing a carnal into a spiritual worship. Origin. 
the matter of spiritual drink and living water being explained, the subject of meat follows. Jesus had asked the woman of Samaria, and she could give him none good enough. Then came the disciples, having procured some humble food among the people of the country, and offered it him, beseeching him to eat. They fear, perhaps, lest the word of God, deprived of his own proper nourishment, fail within them, and therefore, with such as they have found, immediately propose to feed him, that being confirmed and strengthened, he may abide with his nourishers. Souls require food as well as bodies, and as bodies require different kinds of it, and in different quantities, so it is in the things which are above the body. Souls differ in capacity, and one needs more nourishment, another less. So too, in point of quality, the same nourishment of words and thoughts does not suit all. Infants just born need the milk of the word, the grown-up solid meat. Our Lord says, I have meat to eat, for one who is over the weak, who cannot behold the same things with the stronger, may always speak thus. Verses 35 through 38. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And here is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor, other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. Chrysostom. What is the will of the Father? He now proceeds to explain. Say ye not, there are four months, and then cometh the harvest. Theophylact. Now ye are expecting a material harvest. But I say unto you that a spiritual harvest is at hand. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. He alludes to the Samaritans who are approaching. Chrysostom. He leads them, as his custom is, from low things to high. Fields and harvest here express the great number of souls which are ready to receive the word. The eyes are both spiritual and bodily ones, for they saw the great multitude of Samaritans now approaching. This expectant crowd he calls very suitably white fields, for as the corn, when it grows white, is ready for the harvest, so were these ready for salvation. But why does he not say this in direct language, because by making use in this way of the objects around them, he gave greater vividness and power to his words, and brought the truth home to them, and also that his discourse might be more pleasant and might sink deeper into their memories. Augustine, he was intent now on beginning the work, and hastened to send laborers, and he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Chrysostom. Again he distinguishes earthly from heavenly things, for as above he said of the water, that he who drank of it should never thirst, so here he says, he that reapeth gathereth fruit unto life eternal, adding both that he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. The prophets sowed, the apostles reaped, yet are not the former deprived of their reward. For here a new thing is promised, viz., that both sowers and reapers shall rejoice together. How different this from what we see here. 
Now he that soweth grieveth, because he soweth for others, and he only that reapeth rejoiceth. But in the new state the sower and reaper share the same wages. Augustine. The apostles and prophets had different labors, corresponding to the difference of times, but both will attain to like joy, and receive together their wages, even eternal life. Chrysostom. He confirms what he says by a proverb, and herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth, i.e. one party has the labor, and another reaps the fruit. The saying is especially applicable here, for the prophets had labored, and the disciples reaped the fruits of their labors. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Augustine. So then he sent reapers, no sowers. The reapers went where the prophets had preached. Read the account of their labors. They all contain prophecy of Christ. And the harvest was gathered on that occasion when so many thousands brought the prices of their possessions and laid them at the apostles' feet, relieving their shoulders from earthly burdens, that they might follow Christ. Yea, verily, from that harvest were a few grains scattered, which filled the whole world. And now ariseth another harvest, which will be reaped at the end of the world, not by the apostles, but by angels. The reapers, he says, are the angels. Chrysostom, I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor, i.e., I have reserved you for a favorable time, in which the labor is less, the enjoyment greater. The more laborious part of the work was laid on their prophets, viz., the sowing of the seed. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. Christ here throws light on the meaning of the old prophecies. He shows that both the law and the prophets, if rightly interpreted, led men to him, and that the prophets were sent, in fact, by himself. Thus the intimate connection is established between the Old Testament and the New. Origin. How can we consistently give an allegorical meaning to the words, lift up your eyes, etc., and only a literal one to the words, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest? The same principle of interpretation surely must be applied to the latter, that is, to the former. The four months represent the four elements, i.e. our natural life, the harvest, the end of the world, when all conflict shall have ceased, and truth shall prevail. The disciples then regard the truth as incomprehensible in our natural state, and look forward to the end of the world for attaining the knowledge of it. But this idea our Lord condemns, Say not ye, there are four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. In many places of Holy Scripture, we are commanded in the same way to raise the thoughts of our minds, which cling so obstinately to earth. A difficult task, this for one who indulges his passions and lives carnally. Such an one will not see if the fields be white to the harvest. For when are the fields white to the harvest? when the word of God comes to light up and make fruitful the fields of Scripture. Indeed, all sensible things are, as it were, fields made white for the harvest, if only reason be at hand to interpret them. We lift up our eyes and behold the whole universe overspread with the brightness of truth. And he that reapeth those harvests has a double reward of his reaping. First his wages, and he that reapeth receiveth wages, meaning his reward in the life to come. Secondly, a certain good state of the understanding, which is the fruit of contemplation. 
and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. The man who thinks out the first principles of any science is, as it were, the sower of that science. Others taking them up, pursuing them to their results, and engrafting fresh matter upon them, strike out new discoveries from which posterity reaps a bountiful harvest. And how much more may we perceive this in the art of arts? The seed there is the whole dispensation of the mystery, now revealed, but formerly hidden in darkness. For while men were unfit for the advent of the word, the fields were not yet white to their eyes, i.e., the legal and prophetical scriptures were shut up. Moses and the prophets who preceded the coming of Christ were the sowers of the seed. The apostles who came after Christ and saw his glory were the reapers. They reaped and gathered into barns the deep meaning which lay hid under the prophetic writings, and did, in short, what those who do who succeed to a scientific system, which others have discovered, and who with less trouble attained to clearer results than they who originally sowed the seed. But they that sowed and they that reaped shall rejoice together in another world, in which all sorrow and mourning shall be done away. Nay, and have they not rejoiced already? Did not Moses and Elias, the sowers, rejoice with the reapers, Peter, James, and John, when they saw the glory of the Son of God at the transfiguration? Perhaps in one soweth and another reapeth, one and another may refer simply to those who live under the law and those who live under the gospel. For these may both rejoice together, inasmuch as the same end is laid up for them by one God, through one Christ, in one Holy Spirit. End of chapter 4, verses 25 through 38.